Welcome to the Etel Business Podcast. This is podcast number 58 for March 31st, 2017. I'm your host, William Sellers. I'm Michael Faisley. Jaden Cavanaugh. And Eric Malatesta. And today we have a special guest on the podcast that we want to introduce um, to talk a little bit about our upcoming topic that we're going to get into in a second. But today we have Mr. Felix Carballo Hello. in the studio. And Felix, before we get started, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do at what do you do here at Etel? Sure. I, I am the director of infrastructure for Etel Business and also run the solutions and engineering teams for Etel Business as well. So I've got a, uh, a systems operations and network operations teams that manage the infrastructure for the data centers uh, here in Baton Rouge and in Shreveport. And I also have a uh, sales top-notch, Mr. William Sellers, uh, sales <laughs> engineering team that uh, – that work closely with sales and, and build out uh, solutions and and uh, uh, just work directly with our customers to, to, to build out you know solutions and statements of work. Build so. solutions. So one of the things that we want the the, the topic of the podcast uh, I think we've all had many years of, of experience with and can talk to this and the reason why we, we're centering on this particular this topic is we have a white paper out. The topic is actually backup and recovery versus disaster recovery. You see, we have it hot off the press. Um, I mean, as recently as today, you were going over that with a client, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Today, we, we I was with a client, and um, you know, the thing that people always get confused on is what is disaster recovery, what is backup and recovery, and sometimes right. and those lines get blurred. Yeah. So anyway, we have uh, Mr. John Nettles, who comes out with a lot of. He's our content guy. Uh, wrote a really good white paper that kind of just kind of talks about the differences and right. What are some of the common um, the kind of things that people forget about when we talk about DR and backups and so on and business continuity? So we want to kind of get into this. Uh, and one of the things that we always, as I mentioned just a second, one of the things we always run into right. is really what is the difference between backup and recovery and disaster recovery, right? Well, I think you need to state also is what is the difference between backup and recovery and disaster recovery between for a smaller customer, a medium-sized customer, and a large customer? Because for a small, uh, small to medium-sized customer, backup and recovery can be their DR environment. Very well. good point. Exactly. Very good point, yes. Exactly. And actually, and, this and comes... A lot, of, a lot of that comes into your uh, your RTOs, you know? That's exactly what yep. I was going to say is when you when, when you were looking at smaller companies, when you look at RTO mm-hmm. and RPO, right? And RPO is how much data can you afford to lose, right? right? right. And RTO is how long does it take you to get things back up and running, right? Right. And really, it's, it's really on a case-by-case basis when we look at, as Felix was saying, with smaller customers, those RTOs and RPOs, Maybe you may have a large RPO. It may be small. exactly the same, and right, and maybe very small. Exactly right. 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 And so, for customers that aren't really familiar with those terms, RTO is recovery time objective, and uh, RPO is recovery point objective. Yes, right. Yes, thank you for mentioning that because mm-hmm. a lot of times we, we we talk about these acronyms and don't really know what they stand for. Yeah. Even even you know if you don't. Talk about these things a lot. You tend to take them for granted, right? Absolutely. You know, I've given these things a hundred times. And I know. Right. We just throw them in there. They've been defined differently because they can be way different. The, the, how much data that you can afford to lose, and how much time it's going to take you. You can afford to be without your business is completely separate. They're not yeah. always the same amount of time. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. So a lot of times you have companies that are uh, taking orders secondly, mm-hmm. and so their recovery point is very small. Um, 
versus a company that might, you know, maybe they're selling a, a part for our airplane and they only take a order once a day or mm-hmm. once every week, you know, because it's a $20,000 part, you know, that, that would be something they could lose more time with and still be healthy. Right. So let's talk a little bit about, and this may sound silly, but what is backup and recovery? And let's actually talk about the differences because, again, people people sometimes don't get it. And what, the way I look at backup and recovery is um, you back your servers up, whether you're backing up just file level data or the entire server. And especially when we start by talking about when we start talking about VMware and virtual computing, right? Sure. We can back up the entire operating system files and everything in one logical system. Or just files. Maybe I'm backing up things that are on my desktop or in my documents folder. Right. Um, I always think about backup as, you know, this is a way to protect us from the incidental mistakes. You know, hey, I deleted my file off my machine yesterday or last week, and I didn't really mean to. I wish I had that file back. Now I still have my Word document or my right, Excel right. document. It's yes. secure somewhere else. Right. Specifically, exactly. when I think of it, I think of item-level <clears throat> restore. So <clears throat> can I, re- you know... Out of everything that I'm backing up, can I say, can I go recover one file from this one day you mm-hmm. know, or this right. one database from this one day? DR, on the other hand, is can I recover the whole system or the infrastructure? Right. And in most cases, when we talk about DR and backups, backups are something that people, that's where we look at people needing long-term retention, right? How long right. the data? Correct. You know, after I delete a file, how long is it on my backup system before it rolls off? Or how many times? Or how many times, that's correct. Yeah. Where disaster recovery really, you know, in most cases you're looking at, I need the last few minutes. I need the last few hours, right? Yeah. Where you're, you're, you want to bring the entire system back, right? right? And then when we get into disaster recovery, we're actually talking about that is just because you have backups doesn't mean that you have a way to quickly restore because in today's world – you know, the four-letter word of backup and recovery is recovery, right? And that's what takes so much time because if you have a catastrophic failure at your premises and your your infrastructure is down, even though if you have backups, you still have to have something to restore Store to, to exactly. right? Yeah. We have right. those conversations where, you know, you talk to somebody and we say, you know, are you protecting your data? And they're like, yeah, we're backing up. And we ask them very simple questions like, have you ever tried to restore that data? Oh, well, well, you know, I don't know how to do that or, you know, that's complicated. You're right, but a lot of times they'll go, yeah, we can restore data all the time. But then you're asking, like, well, what happens if your building catches fire? And they're like, oh, oh wait a second. Now, wait, uh, you mean I have to go buy more infrastructure? And that's what really, when we start talking about DR as a service, this is where we really find people really looking toward these days is, you know, if you have a disaster and your, your building burns down, what is the first thing you have to go do? Buy new hardware, buy infrastructure, networking, desktops, servers, storage. And that gets pricey because what most people have to do who are not using DR as a service, they go buy another set of hardware that Correct. sits in a warehouse or another data center and just is idle, doesn't do anything. And that, that's, or, why, no, go ahead. that's why so many companies keep putting off their DR plans. They're like, ooh, this is, this is going to cost a lot. Uh, we haven't been hit with something, you know, in 10 years, so maybe we can push it off another year. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes in lieu of buying more hardware, they'll, they'll contract with a company to reserve mm-hmm. data center space or, or hardware that will be, become on hand if they do need it. So they fly, get in a plane, fly to a data center with all these tapes in hand, 
and and go restore. You don't see that as much today with the the, the bandwidth on the internet today. So a lot of that stuff is is done real time replication. Uh, but mm -hmm. that's more of a, a a bigger price tag to afford those types right. of technologies. Yeah. I think it's actually more price. And correct me if I'm wrong. It actually probably is more pricey to go reserve space at like a SunGuard yes. than it would be to do a disaster disaster as a disaster as a service DR as a service yeah. function. Especially now when we start looking at um, when we start looking at everyone running some type of virtualization stack. Uh, virtualization right? has changed the whole game when it's come to disaster recovery. It, it's changed the game from how we buy hardware and, and roll yep. out workloads. It's also Correct. changed the game again when we talk about DR. Right. Well, and, and so, good point. It does change the game a lot when we talk about DR. It does change the game with backups, too, but we have to also start thinking about just because you have something out remotely in a cloud uh, and that's where you run your workload, you still have a need to back your data up. Mm -hmm. Once again, back to that that single instance of, re right. of restore. I want this file, my user deleted this email, so on and so forth. That's not a disaster recovery. That's an incident recovery. So just because you have something outside of your data center or in a virtualization platform, you're still going to need backup. Backup in the traditional sense of I'm backing up these instances. Yeah. So, so virtualization has really helped on the DR, the disaster recovery side, not so much on the backup and item level retention. Mm -hmm. So, because today, from a for, for us in, in this systems, we can offer disaster recovery as a service where if someone has a vir, vir, on-premise virtual environment, they're basically replicating those that virtual infrastructure to us and have the ability to, to, to fail. Disaster recovery means really failover. You fail your environment over to, to another data center, another geographic location. Mm -hmm. That's totally different than restoring a database or a file. And, right. You know, those and are any type of retention right. on yeah. those, right? Right. And when we start talking, and that's some, you know, as we look at some of the, the, the topics we'll talk about today, that's something that, you know, with virtualization, the replication, what used to be really hard 10 years ago, moving the data from point A to point B, getting things recovered or, or, or failed over, um, now that's the easy part. You know, we work with a company called Zerto, right? We do a disaster recovery as a service solution. And, um, you know, it, it, it's all done in software. There's no SAN-based replication. It's, it's a software package we install into hypervisor sure. and replicates real time very quickly, very efficiently, and, and very affordably, right? And it's made the, the part of... DR, that's always been the hard part, which is getting the data from point A to point B. It's made that extremely easy. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Now, what is the hard part? And this is what I always come back to when I talk to customers. And I don't know if we're thinking of the same thing. It, well, it's see. the planning yeah. to me. For it's me, the, the hard part the planning. is, Absolutely. is, the, it is, is the planning. having a business continuity plan, having the disaster. Uh, to re the part of business continuity is how do you recover your infrastructure and do you know and your what systems? do you as a company know what's important to you what's the what's the first identifying thing that, what that, is that, important you know, to you that's is email very important? important yes right. well, then we need to restore email quickly what does it take to restore email now i need an active directory or i need you know, interfaces to the cloud or whatever it is you need. That is exactly right. And in every case that I talk to as a pre-sales engineer, go talk to customers, 
and I'll tell them, hey, we have all this technology. You can move your data around and make it mobile, right? Your, your VM's mo- right. Mo- mobile, right? Uh, the, the thing they don't think about is, one, what's really important? And what are the what am I trying to protect myself against? Right. And two, after I fail over to a cloud provider or another infrastructure somewhere else, how do my people connect? Yep. And how and how do my systems connect? And do I understand when I power them on that this system needs to talk to that system or that these systems go out to the cloud and speak to Salesforce or any other vendor out there? So all those pieces and parts of them, just because you get the bits moved somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, without a playbook, I like to call it a playbook. Like right. Step one, you know, do this. Step two, do that. You should have that playbook printed out. It should be available in multiple locations for your important personnel to get to. And then you should execute that plan based on however you've laid it and, out in the playbook. Exactly. And it absolutely should be tested annually. Yes. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you yeah. should go through a DR test. And not, not just saying, you know, click the button and fail something over. I'm talking – have it fail it over, have it talk Run to it. any exter- external system, mm-hmm. have your users remotely connecting. Yep. Try to be as uh, you know real world as possible during this scenario. Yeah, right. failover I, test yeah. from your office. Yeah. It's, 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 that's not real, real it's not a yeah. real world. Yeah. Even, right. even internally, we have a, a, uh, we have a client that uh, fails between our clouds and they go live. They don't, they don't believe that their test should actually consist of just powering it on. They go live for a solid week before failing back to the other side of the cloud. Nice. And, and that's, actually, that's, that's how most of our clients do. We also, and I'll touch back on the Zerto product that we use, uh, it lets us do test failover. So we're talking about when we do a full failover that's, you know, the machine's moving from your pr- production location to a cloud provider in DR mode, running in DR mode for a certain amount of time, and then failing back, which our products let you do. Right. Um, what I always tell customers is first step before doing that, do a test failover, something that's non-disruptive. Failover, you know, your your entire environment or just a few machines just to see how they will run in cloud. Make sure your applications are working properly. Make sure your networking is the way you want to have it. And then once that's completed, then do your step, your, your true failover, because then you'll have, you'll kind of know what to anticipate. Right. Document what needs to be changed. Do we need to ex- change our external DNS? Mm. Does internal IP schemes need to change? Uh, does in- internal DNS need to change? Does authentication methods need to change? So all those things, just because you can power on a VM somewhere else or power on even a physical machine somewhere right. else uh, in a cave, it doesn't mean that you can use it. Yeah. Right. I, I totally agree. So, and, and you mentioned something that uh, when we talk about, you know, what does IT staff typically forget? It's DNS, Right. Oh, I filled over, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I have to either go manually set up a DNS record to, to point to the new location or um, something that we recommend is using some type of load balancer, right? So we host, right. The, we host the domain in our data center, and our tool will actually look and see which one is, you know, is the production site up. If it is, domain name doesn't change, doesn't get updated. But as soon as that production site goes down... It'll actually automatically change the DNS record right. automatically for now you. Now that's an automatic, but also it can be where uh, you can manually fail it over. So th- during a disaster recovery scenario, m- a lot of clients are probably more comfortable with uh, having to push the button and say, "I am this is DR." Uh, so if you have those twenty external DNS records, you know they're not going to flip over and point to your DR environment unless you're actually in that mode. That is yeah. a great point, and that's something that I actually had a discussion with a customer uh, not too long ago, is 
DNS is something you have to, if your network blips for a few minutes, you don't want your DNS to get updated. Right. And I think most customers, when I talk to them about the DR scenario holistically, you know, kind of overall, sure. um, some things they want to do manually. And actually, surprisingly enough, most people don't want to fail over DNS automatically. I think it depends on the application, depends on what type of application. Is it a website uh, or something like this? But if you have a... Well, I think an issue on the network that goes down for a few minutes, you don't want to necessarily fail over your entire environment. Yeah. Yeah. DNS is, uh, you know, it's, it's a an art, right? So across the internet, that you know, if if your DNS is is updating every five minutes, well, then the rest of the world knows quickly if mm-hmm. if, if they're. But however, there's a client side update check. So if they're only checking every six hours for a change, then it may take six hours for someone to even realize that you've changed and. and without doing any kind of manual work on their end, right? So DNS is one of those things where I think most people do feel comfortable hitting that button themselves. This is truly being failed for a short term somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the requirement probably is, is for me, I'm trying to put myself in the customer's shoes. If, I, if I'm the customer and I have a public-facing application uh, that my customers, me as a customer, have other customers connecting to me, I'm probably going to want to architect a solution that'll fail over by itself. But if it's, so now, so now you're you know you're, I mean? you're talking true DR, and you're trying you're talking business continuity. I'm talking business continuity, right. Which so, is which is basically uh, uh, two hot sites, right? right? Right. So we talk about this a lot. Will and I have spoken on. You know, sometimes sometimes building a DR plan for email or for databases and whatnot is not as drastically important if you build. You know, Microsoft and all these other t- systems have tools that allow you to replicate the data- databases geographically and allow the databases to be aware of which which side is up and which side is down, right? So, so you, truly that, have, you can truly have geographic active right. active sites. Yep. So, um, so what you're talking about is really building your application from ground up. Building more it, resilient. Yeah, what, it, it, and this, is, this term has been coined multiple times, you build to fail. Right? That's right. right. And, and that works for a lot of people. You build your application from the ground up to fail, right? You're anticipating these failures, whether you're using um, SQL Server high availability or instant on or uh, multiple um, DAG servers in exchange or file systems that are based Scratched on DFS, right? Scratch Hyper-V, ESX. Right. The problem Zen. comes into is when you're taking a legacy application that doesn't lend itself to that type of uh, architecture, but you still have to protect from a DR standpoint. The other problem is, too, remember, doing a true business continuity solution will be more expensive than doing a DR solution, regardless of how you calculate it, because if you do a DR solution, you're not going to be paying for resources to be on. Whereas in an always-on availability type environment, you are business continuity environment. You have the resources running yeah. and ingesting data and taking in CPU cycles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all depends. Really, it comes down to budget, uh, the size of the company, the size of the, right. how, how many people are accessing it, the and the requirements of the requirements of the system to be live. Back and, to your RPO and RTO. Right, right. So definitely, you know, kind of coming back, uh, D, um, DNS is something we always, you know, we 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 make we we want customers to think about. The other thing is really, how are your customers going to, how are your users going to connect, right? You're maybe not going into the office building and sitting at your desk to do work. So you have to think about what happens if I have my users, yeah, oh, I know what you're going to say, Felix. (laughs) (laughs) But, But what happens when 
I'm not at my desk anymore. My, my, my cube or office is, you know, destroyed. And I'm at grandma's house trying to do work, right? How do I get to my desktop? How do I get to my application? How do I work? How do I get back to my virtual office once you failed over into a, a DR solution, right? Right, right. So, of course, you know what I'm going to say, right? <laughs> Have some type of hosted desktop and some type of cloud infrastructure or data center infrastructure where your users, which could be some kind of dedicated virtual machine or it could be some type of hosted shared virtual server that they can host multiple sessions, allowing users to connect to a desktop session, yes. right? Yep. So at that point, they don't have to, if their PC is at work, uh, they could they can connect from anywhere on the internet and connect to a, what we call a, 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 a virtual desktop infrastructure session in the data center. And it can run any application as if it was running on their PC. Right. right. I think that's the key, too, because, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'll just let them VPN from their house. Well, that sounds like a great solution until they realize, oh, I don't have all my applications yep. installed right. here. Right. That's right. So, right. In, in some cases, <clears throat> a VPN is fine because yeah. maybe maybe your applications don't need to have uh, a thick client. Maybe it's just a web app or something, right, that works fine. But when we start looking at people thinking about, uh, desk mobility, right, where I'm not tied to a specific location. And even to the standpoint of even my, the, the, the machine that I'm working on, that my fingers are touching, uh, what happens if that goes away, right? I was talking with someone not too long ago who was thinking about this exact same thing, and they were actually looking at doing thin clients, right? Right. Which is a, a computer that doesn't have a real operating system on it. It's geared to be um, a device that no data is on it. But it's connecting to the internet, connecting through either VPN or whatever, and right. getting to your shared desktop. Right. So basically, right. it's a it's an appliance that allows you to connect a mouse, a keyboard, and a monitor to, and a network port. And what it does is when it boots up, it it's it basically pulls its configuration from some cloud environment, and it tells that device where to go connect to its desktop. Right. Basically and I happens. even think this is a good idea, maybe not even in a, in, depending on your application, maybe in a non-DR route, right? And sure. If, so so it brings in the idea. So I know what got popular years ago is bring your own device, right? Uh, and in some places, that's perfectly fine if you're uh, an art institute or something like that. But you think about hospitals and mm -hmm. banks and mm -hmm. things of that nature where they have so much compliance that they have to adhere to. Well, you don't want people bringing their own devices. You don't want yeah. them to have the ability to snapshot on their phone something they're in. You want to be able to control the devices that they're working with. So in this environment, that's where these sure. these thin clients, as they call them, sure. are, are able to really work well for you. So thus far, we've, we've focused a lot on there actually being a disaster that wipes out a building, but there are more, you know, uh, issues at hand than that, you know, um, physical hardware going down at your location, the, you know. That's that's the business continuity so, plan. So, it's, it's, it's you know, where do my users or, or, or people need to go? You know, right. what vendors do I need to talk to? Mm -hmm. uh, where's my infrastructure running? How, what, 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 you know, just all the logistics, not just around your infrastructure, but how to keep your business running is a part of that plan. And that's where uh, customers struggle is, Hey, yeah, I want I want DR as a service, but but you know when we start having these conversations, mm -hmm. they don't even have a plan or a business continuity plan or anything yet. They, they just, don't have anything. Right. Actually, Mike, you, you just perfectly segued away, segued into the next thing we were going to talk about was really what are some of the common threats? Talking, coming back to uh, the white paper that that's out. 
what are some of the common threats that we see cause people grief, right? Uh, and, and you just you mentioned the first one, physical data loss, right? Something yeah. something's happened. You've um, a sand has malfunctioned. Mm-hmm. A building has burned down, right? Well, actually, actually, yes, that could be a natural disaster. But basically, something that has destroyed hard drive failures, cons- server failures, the consumable yeah. device, right? Okay. Uh, next, moving down to threat number two: disa- natural disasters. Um, we, we just had we just had one. We just flood, had one: right? flood, right. hurricane. Uh, tsunami, tornado, lo- locusts. We had, yeah, Zom- we had tornadoes. Actually, what's funny is in uh, – I'll talk about that later. This will be another podcast, but there's Earth something funny about zombies yeah. and DR. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh good. <laughs> Seriously. Um, the, threat, the third threat is human error, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I make mistakes all the time. I click the wrong button and, uh-oh, I just destroyed my sand. Possibly, you know, or I've done something wrong. I think possibly the, the, the backup and item level recovery will help you more for, from a human error than, than a DR scenario. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly what Felix is saying here is, you know, when, when you have human error, that's the one where we're saying, hey, I need to restore this instance, this, this file, this right. email, <laughs> this subset of data. Right, it's not the entire building, it's not the entire uh, environment. It's just right. subsets of your data. Unless you do something Depen- really yeah. bad, <laughs> depends on how big the human error. Depending is. <laughs> on how big the human error is, because if you accidentally just happen to delete a VM, then you you might need to fail over that machine. To also, I don't know. We talk if we talk about compliance and um, retention as well, because mm. when we talk about backup and recovery, uh, a lot of companies have. Uh, have some regulatory obligations to be able to keep data for so long and be able to restore data, you know, from a, y- a year ago, uh, you know, item level. Or even well. seven right. years ago. In yeah, some or even in health or in some health care. Especially it could health care. It could right. be years. It could be like 25 years or something. It's, it could be an, an enormous amount yeah, of so the, time. So like the NICUs are required to keep any data from their infants for mm-hmm. 20 years because they have to span the, the childhood of that, that particular mm-hmm. instance. Exactly. So um, – Human error is definitely there. And then also the, the threat number four that we've identified is just logical data loss, right? Um, and that kind of goes into human error as well as maybe if some – what happens when someone deletes a file? Right? Or what happens if the application messes up and, and deletes something or crashes it? Right. Or yeah, you could have a, a drive uh, corrupt data as well, mm-hmm. data blocks mm-hmm. as well that need to be restored. So The drive uh, itself doesn't yeah. go bad, but it just corrupts a few spots. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. And it's not really – and you're right. It's not when these things happen. It's not if these things happen. They will. It's when. It, they it will. will happen, right? Absolutely. So plan absolutely. for these things to happen. Um, five steps to a backup or data or DR plan. You know, and, and this is going back to what's in the white paper that we, we want everyone to take a look at, is really what are the uh, steps to really looking at a good DR or backup plan, right? And the first thing we, that, Eric, you talked about um, at the beginning of the podcast is really complete a business impact analysis. analysis. Right. Go and find out what applications, what um, – you know, business tools that directly impact the business. If I'm, if I'm, yeah. hmm? I think I think you need to before you go into software and tools, it's it's identifying the processes that that have to keep the business running. That's right. Correct. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. you got to identify yeah. the process. Is HR and then def- important today? Yes or yes. no? Yeah. 
Can we can we run our business without HR? Oh, we can run it for a week. Okay, exactly. HR is not that important. Okay, unless me, unless you're something like it. unless you're something like maybe Monster.com and HR is your right. business, Absolutely. right? Etel HR, I didn't mean it. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and also the people that are going to be involved right. in it. You know, I mean, we, we we focus so much on the technology. Okay, what technology do we need up? When do we need up? This is all How part of that business we, analysis, right? That, right. You need to also include the people into that yeah. equation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So moving on to, to step two is really we identify the critical data and assets, which we kind of we kind of you know we talked about the business, what's the impact of a problem, right? Yep. What do you have to? But then we look at what data needs to be recovered first. Well, maybe not everything needs to be recovered first and quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So think about it. Do do we need to be worried about building a client day one of a disaster, day two or day yeah. three, right? And we might not need to be worried about building building someone, but yeah. we might want to run machinery that has specifications to build something, and we need that up very quickly. We want our website up as soon yeah. as possible we want to be so able people to know that people. we're still here. Right. right. We may not need our uh, archive data or you know billing information for the last That's four right. months, but Precisely. we need our website up, right? Yep. Right. right. And and when we start looking at when we start building this these DR backup plans for people, we identify these. You know what are the things that that matter to you, right? It's, it's we, whatever's going to keep your business operational, the technology and tools you have that whatever are, your business is, right. right? Whatever your business is, right? Right, and and that's how we do the recovery. We'll always say, what's your critical data? We'll get that first. What's mid tier? You know what's important, and then what can be, you know what, recover that in a month or two months, right? right. We gauge this per customer, right? And then step three, really um, decide on a backup location. Um, you know where? Where do you want to back up to? Right. right? Are you Obviously, back up, are you going to back up to a local machine? Are you going to no. back up to a local repository? You might. You might be backing up to a local repository because you can restore single instances very quickly. Right. However, that doesn't protect you from the true disaster of a building catching fire, the hurricane, the tornado, the whatever else. You know, it is. Eric, you bring up a good point though. So a disaster that that's a small disaster. You're talking about a, a, a like a hardware loss or something, right? right? So you have the ability to fail over your current hardware to another piece of hardware. And that could be in the same building. Right. right? And so so you're 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 uh, eliminating that risk right there locally. But then you have to take it one step higher and say, okay, now what happens if my building goes That's down? Right. How do I recover from that? So where you do you know? back up? Do you back up locally? Do you back? Do you want to back up in somebody's cloud? Do you want to have? Do you want to back up lo- locally but have the secretary carry that drive out with her every night? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, all those things. Start, and listen, and it's not. I'm serious when I say this. I know someone that was doing that, and that person's job was literally to pull the drive out every night and, and take it somewhere. And during uh, Katrina. That person ended up in like Shreveport and couldn't get back. Yeah. So they had this data for over two weeks. (laughs) You know what's funny? I still hear about people. Well, Joe takes the hard drive home at night. Like, no, people, this is not how you do it these days. Um, And you're right. I mean, you definitely want to back up locally for quick recovery, but you also want to get that off site. And we have tools in our portfolio that make that so easy to do, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and then choosing the right solution, right? You know, look at what's look at what's um, solutions for backup and recovery, and look at solutions for for disaster recovery. And a lot of times, these two package these two packages complement themselves really well Absolutely. together. Yeah. Um, talking a little bit about our product line, and we we've kind of been you know looking at each other, talking, thinking about what products we use. Right. We have partnerships with companies like Veeam and Rubrik, which are fantastic for backups, both tools. Um, 
you know, different use cases, but are phenomenal for quick recovery, making um, what normally would take hours to recover a server now is just literally a few seconds, right? Sure. Uh, and for that quick recovery and also long-term retention of, of backups, maybe I need to recover a file, maybe I need to recover a folder or an entire VM. These packages do that really well. And we even have our eVault product, which can be installed with agents, can and can cover the all the physical machines, right? Exactly. Well, so Evolt will do physical, virtual, whatever. It's kind of our um, most agent driven. It's our agent driven. I, th- I think Veeam is moving into the physical servers uh, um, as well, right? Veeam is to an extent. Right. Yeah. So Veeam has uh, the Veeam endpoint, right. which lets you do physical servers. Right. But there's some caveats with that that okay. we can we can talk about. Um, Rubrik is actually doing physical servers, right? Where you can actually back up a a Windows physical server. Uh, even databases, SQL databases right. are on a physical server, and also Linux um, operating systems, right? right? So both tools do a lot of the same things, uh, and they both do it very well. And, but they all are they're subtle. They're, there's some subtle differences to all of them. There's, and, so, and that's exactly right, Felix. And you're bringing up a good point: is we help our customers identify the right tool right for the right them. job, right. right? Right, right. And then when we talk about, and we talked, we mentioned Zerto earlier. That is. Um, one of our products we 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 really have seen a lot of people use. Uh, it's actually called Replication in DR, powered by Zerto. Right, that's our Etel product name. Um, Veeam and Rubrik uh, and even Evolt is Business Backup or Business Backup Pro, powered by whatever technology you're using. Right. Rubrik, Veeam, Evolt. Right? Okay. So, um, I well, think- and Zerto is is really more of a DR solution. You you can do it. You can do simple restores if you really needed to, but it's is truly for moving a workload somewhere else. It's really for making that workload. It, you know, it used back in the day. It was it was always the idea of if I could just get this machine to be anywhere I want at any time. Mobility, right? right. And you can do things like long distance V motion and these types of things. But there's things that 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 type of technology requires a lot of underlying infrastructure, infrastructure, and bandwidth, right. and. It, it, there are people who are doing it, but it's at a cost, right? right? And when we look at doing things that are n- almost to that level, where you're failing over between clouds and failing back, you're starting to see see that you can actually have that mobility at a much reduced cost. So, yeah. yeah. So this is what we spend our days working on. I have something to add. Okay. It just so happens today is World Backup Day. Well, I did not know. Don't be an April Fool. Be prepared and back up your files on March 31st. You can go to worldbackupday.com to find out more. Uh, nice. I was not aware of that. I was not aware of that as well. Maybe, maybe, maybe she's fooling us. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you can connect with Vinya, with 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 you can connect with Etel uh, at etelbusiness.com. Uh, we have a good. Uh, we have a really nice LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook page. Uh, if you want to find uh, this article, uh, we'll have a, a link to the article in the show notes as well as if you go to etelbusiness.com. And it should be on the front page, a link to the um, yeah. to the to this article, right? Which we really uh, – this is great content. doesn't cost anyone anything to read uh, except a little bit of time. But we think it's a lot of benefit to, to really analyzing what you're doing internally for backups. And, and, I, and, and th- th- really this applies to a small, medium, or large business. It's, That's right. It completely is relevant, relevant to all types of customers. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And in, anyone that wants us to do our, our famous dog and pony uh, power, our power slide 
We'd be loving to do it. We've done it how many times? Like what's four or five times? What's that? Our, our, our power slide. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our PowerPoint yeah. Uh, presentation. Yeah, yeah. Eric and I did this uh, for a couple of trade shows. We, yeah. we did it together. Coming to a meeting room near you. Coming to a meeting room near you. <laughs> the other thing I will, I will add as, as a pre-sales engineer, if, it, if any of this technology you want to actually see, we do live demos to, for, for clients. Sure. Um, we will eventually be doing some recorded sessions, some videos that people can look at at their own leisure. But if you're interested in this type of technology, reach out to us. We can give you live demos and actually show you this in a real-world scenario. Yep. Yep. And, and I think the, the thing about us is, you know, we do this every day. This is what we do. And, and sad to say we're a little bit nerdy about it. We, we love talking it. Right? We love <laughs> we do. actually we do. getting into the – this. I think I think one of my favorite things about our job is that we get a chance to help people restore their businesses and make their businesses run again or be better. So I right. think that's very fun. It's very fun, and especially when we look at the work we've done in the past with hurricanes, whatever, you kind of get to see it really, really hit people, right? I really love to see a client take their uh, disaster recovery testing from a week to three or four hours. Yeah, That's really good. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, um, please check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and be on the lookout for the next podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank Thank you. Thank you.